majority of your soul don't want you serving God, period. But if you serve God and he can get you settling for less than and not realizing who you are in God and what is at your disposal, then he'll be happy to keep you there because you're not affecting anybody else. If, if he can get me to accept enough lies, maybe not to lose my salvation, Sheila, but maybe to affect me from bringing anybody else to Christ, then he's happy to keep me in that place where I'm believing his lies and still living for Jesus. I don't, I don't want to live for God and live in a way that I'm experiencing less than what he wants for us. I want to live the fullness of what Jesus died on a cross for. Jesus himself said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, Jeff, he didn't say life a little better. He didn't say life so that they make it by the skin of their teeth. He said more abundantly. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not preaching a new doctrine. I'm not preaching a crazy doctrine. I'm trying to exhort us to understand what the word of God says and that that's what we should be aiming for. Because when, when you wake up and you go through a day, it is so easy to hear so much negativity it is so easy to hear so much that is contrary to God. And it's so easy just to begin to accept things and you don't even realize you're accepting them. The doctor gives you bad news and so you're like, well, okay, so I guess this is how it is. Boom, you've just settled. I'm, I'm not telling you live in denial. Brandon, I'm not telling you, pretend like you don't have any neck pain. I mean, that's, that's silly. That, that's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying, acknowledge the pain, but acknowledge what God has done above that. Acknowledge that God is bigger than that. Hear what the doctors say, but understand my father knows a little more. And regardless of what they say, even when they say it's terminal, so to faith, God can come in and change it around. That, that's, that's what I'm trying to do this morning is, is exhort us to, to understand the God that we serve. I'm not walking in circles on purpose. To, to exhort us to understand that, that the God that we serve wants so much for us. And I don't mean that in a way of gimme, gimme, gimme. I mean that in a way of he wants to use us to advance his kingdom. He wants to use us to bring people to, to a relationship with him through his son Jesus Christ just like you and I are but if we don't embrace the fullness of what his word says if we, if we don't em fully embrace his message then the enemy's happy because he's already diluting God, God's effect through us men that were there for the men's if you were there for the men's breakfast raise your hand a lot of you a lot of you you, you remember the, the example, the, the demonstration that Brother, Brother uh, Lance did and how all of those contaminants that he put into that, that, uh, that water and that salt just messed it up, diluted it. 
That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to dilute our effectiveness in this world. I want to be salty in a good way. We shouldn't give up on anything. And until, until we hear God tell us, my grace is sufficient. We serve a God who, who has told us numerous times in Scripture, all things are possible. Why in the world would God tell us that message over and over if he doesn't want us to try to live it out? And in one of the instances when, when Jesus says it, Jesus curses a fig tree just because it doesn't have any figs. Now you can get as deep and theological about that as you want. And I know there are multiple understandings of that. But one of those understandings is he was hungry and there were no figs. And he cursed it and it withered. And from that he taught you can move a mountain if you have faith. And I believe he meant spiritually, but I also believe he just withered a fig tree literally. So he's literally teaching his disciples what the Bible is constantly telling us. All things are possible to them that believe. Not from the mindset of I can go around and I can do just absolutely anything I want in the name of Jesus and get anything I want because you gotta rightly divide scripture and you gotta understand that Jesus was lined up perfectly with his father doing his father's will, speaking his, his, his father's message, hearing his father's voice. When you line up with God, all things are possible to them that believe. I, I have a question for you this morning, and that is, does your faith move you into action? This is just one of, one of those Sundays where I'm just watching God put all the pieces in place. And I'm just getting happier and happier. Does your faith move you into action? <clears throat> I'm going to be reading from Matthew, the 27th chapter, beginning at verse 62. And it's near the end of the chapter. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. And then I'm going to continue reading in, in, in chapter 28, verses 1 through 7. Now the next day that followed, that day of preparation... Okay, so we're talking about the day after Jesus died on the cross. We're talking about Saturday between Friday, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. The chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than, hit, than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch. Go your way and make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Chapter 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath day, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. 
for he is risen as he said come see the place where the Lord lay father we thank you right now your your word is holy and anointed God I thank you for how you've just been been putting everything right into place and Lord your word is spirit and is life and it will quicken us it will come alive to us and it will speak life to us right now as we hear it and receive it your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and it will lead us and guide us every step of our way and Lord your word is life unto our being and is health unto our flesh and it will infuse our souls with life and it will bring about health and wholeness to our physical bodies as we receive it and Father we proceed in the name of your son Jesus Christ amen does your faith move you into action <clears throat> you ever heard the phrase uh, rubbing salt into the wound you ever have somebody rub salt into your wound metaphorically yeah don't feel real good it's the day after the disciples ultimate defeat <clears throat> the chief priests and the Pharisees they destroyed the disciples hopes and dreams by killing Jesus the very next day they rub salt into that fresh wound by attacking Jesus even while he's dead in the tomb they called him that deceiver they dis disrespected Jesus and what he stood for and what he represented and, and what he said uh, they, they claimed that he was a deceiver he was a liar that he said he would rise again but basically they're saying there's no way he's coming back he is dead so we just want to make sure nobody steals his body to 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 uh, perpetrate the lies that he was teaching when he was alive as well as uh, 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 of, of wanting to just continue to, to emphasize their finality and rub salt in the wounds of the disciples and I like Pilate's response he says you have a watch make it as sure as you can see if, if you go back if you go back Pilate didn't even want to mess with Jesus and Pilate got a word from his wife I've had a dream you better leave this man alone Pilate did everything that he could politically to save face and set Jesus free at the same time. Now that involved beating him nearly to death. It involved doing things to satisfy the Jews on, on, in his mind and hopes to satisfy them. But at the same time, he didn't want to release him to them and go through with the crucifixion because he found no reason to crucify him. And I quote, I find no fault in him. Pilate's probably also remembering as he's talking to, to, the, to the chief priests and the, and, the, and the Pharisees, he's probably remembering that moment that he had Jesus one-on-one -on -one in his chambers. And he's talking to Jesus and, and, and Jesus is just bloody. He's just messed up. He's been beaten like crazy. And, and he's, just, he's just standing there just dirty, filthy, and bleeding all over the floor. And Pilate's talking to him and Jesus ain't saying nothing. And Jesus, and, and I can only imagine, you know, he, he, Jesus didn't do this like Superman. I'm sure Jesus was probably like barely standing. Maybe even on a knee. I don't know. But as Pilate's talking to him and Pilate's getting frustrated and aggravated, Arnold and Pilate eventually says, don't you know I have the power to, to take your life or, or, or give it to you? And at that moment, Pilate, right now, Pilate's probably remembering at that moment when Jesus, maybe, maybe hunched over, suddenly looks up at him. If you'll humor me for a moment. I can imagine him thinking to himself, this man lost his mind. Sister Myra, it's kind of like when my kids talk to me a certain way sometimes and it causes me to just stop. 
So, somebody, I forget who it was. I, I share, Micah's not here. I'll pick on him. I, I shared what Micah said the other day outside when he was skateboarding when I called his name. Out of nowhere, he just, ah, what? You're always telling me what to do. <laughs> I, I, I stopped and looked at him. I looked at Michelle. She looked at me. She looked at him. I thought we just entered the twilight zone. But Pilate's probably remembering when Jesus stood up and looked him in the eye, Jeff, and said, you'd have no power at all unless my father gave it to you. And see, the thing about Jesus, the thing about Jesus is Jesus didn't have to get loud in order for someone to understand he spoke with authority. People talked about the disciples and they talked about them and they talked about the fact that who are these? If you humor me, this is basically what they were saying. Who are these ignorant, unlearned, uneducated people? Because they speak like ones with authority. And Pilate's no doubt remembering that interaction with Jesus because I'm inclined to believe when you come face to face with Jesus, you know, you, you remember that. You don't forget that. Pilate gives the Jewish religious leaders a watch or a sentry. He gives them soldiers to go and secure the tomb. But, but it, in my mind, I think Pilate's putting a little dig in there. Go make it as sure as you can. Do your best. Give it your best shot. But the reality is, is you can't stop God. You read later on in the New Testament, you find that they imprisoned Peter and God decided to get him out of prison and he just woke him up and walked him out. Guards all around him. You know, I, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little torn between how I want to see this interaction play out, whether everybody's asleep or everybody's wide awake and they just can't see him. I mean, the Bible's not clear. We just know everyone's still there. Everyone's at their post. Everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And Peter just walks out. Because all things are possible to them that believe. When, when, when the angel wakes Peter up, Peter thinks it's a dream. Angel's got to get his attention a couple times. Come on, man. We don't have all day. The religious leaders, they thought Jesus' fate was sealed. And they were given the, the, the charge to do three things, and, or they did three things, to make it as sure as they could. They, they made the sepulcher sure. They sealed the stone, which could be any number of things. It could have been like in Daniel's time when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. The king's seal was put on the entrance, which, which meant the king made a decree and you cannot touch it until the end of the king's decree. They sealed the stone somehow and then they set watch. They set Roman soldiers so that no one could even try to get to the stone to mess with it. As soon as I read that, my mind went, went, went back just a day before when as they put Jesus on that cross three nails were driven one through his hand one through his other hand and then one through both feet so it's almost like they're trying to crucify Jesus again we we, we nailed him to the cross with three nails yesterday and now we're, we got three more attempts to try to keep him in that tomb and keep him as secure as we can the abuse continues even after his death it's almost like it's a giant billboard declaring he is dead and we're here to let the, the world know it. 
We're going to guard his body. We're going to guard his tomb. And nobody's going to be able to mess with the reality that we know to exist. The reality that is right in front of your face, that is undeniable, he's dead. And it's like they're putting an exclamation point on it. Meanwhile, the disciples are wallowing in their self-pity. All of this is taking place. Here's the irony. All of this is taking place on the day of rest. That is so important for these chief priests and these Pharisees. It's so important to be a day of rest where you do no work. And they are hunting down Pilate getting time with him so that they can employ measures to secure the body of this deceiver so nobody will come and steal him. But I'm sure they didn't consider that work. While the disciples are hiding, licking their own wounds and staring at the end of their own worlds in their mind, the enemy is stamping an exclamation point on the death of all of their hopes and dreams. Did you ever notice how he doesn't let up just because you're having a bad day? <laughs> I mean, some, some of us have had mercy. You know, you, you, you see somebody, you see by their face, and you immediately know, oh, I need to leave you alone today. Amen? No, no, no calling names, no calling names, no calling names. Just a simple nodding of the head or raising of the hand is, the enemy doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't relent. He sees you're having a bad day. It's like blood in the water. And he's a shark. And he's coming for you. The disciples have forgotten what Jesus said, that he'll rise again. They're wallowing in self-pity because things did not work out the way that they thought they would. They've dedicated three and a half years. They literally changed their lives to follow Jesus. And now he's dead. But the enemy is still actively pursuing complete destruction over them and Jesus. They're hiding because they believe they're next. They believe they're coming after them next because they followed Jesus because that's what you did back then. If there was a former king, you not only outed the king, you not only killed the king, you killed everybody loyal to the king. That's why it was so shocking in the Old Testament when David said, is there anybody left of the house of Saul? Because history says if there is, there shouldn't be, but if there is, find him and kill him. David finds Mephibosheth and saves him and brings him to the table because he was showing the, the love of God. The disciples are fearing for their lives and rightfully so. 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us to be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The Pharisees and the chief priests are doing exactly that. They're roaring and, and they're moving around. They're still trying to implement their plan. This is, this is the constant and continual description of the enemy of your soul's actions. Constantly roaring, constantly seeking somebody to devour. He does not rest. He doesn't take a day off. So therefore, we don't have time to wallow in self-pity. When you fail God, I'm not saying the failure is okay. I'm saying you don't have time to wallow in it. Get on your knees, ask God to forgive you, and move on. 
sincerely repent, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, do exactly what the Bible says, make it right, and then get back to living with God. Because while you're feeling sorry for yourself, the enemy is still devising ways to destroy you for all of eternity. He doesn't take time off and celebrate and leave you alone because he got you to fail once. He wants you to fail eternally. Things don't go the way you want them to go or they go the way you thought they should. Move on. Don't wallow in that. Don't, Don't mope in that. Move on and still believe that God is control of everything. See, faith is active and it moves. Faith is more than a five letter word that just falls out of my mouth. Just because you say it doesn't mean you have it. I know a a lot of people claim things about themselves unchurch related. And they're delusional. (laughs) Just because you say it doesn't mean you have it. We see people every day. We see people every day. They and, and they perpetrate a certain persona and you see them and you think you you think they are this but you don't understand how much hard work goes into to to carry out the show that they put on every day you don't understand what's going on behind closed doors and, and what the reality really is behind the mask and, 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 and I don't want to be, and I don't want us to be a people who talk about faith. I want us to be a people who live faith in Jesus Christ, where it's evidenced by real evidence, not the fact that we get around and talk about the fact that we believe in Jesus, but just from the fact that we see the evidence of God working in our lives and working through our lives. Eleven disciples stayed at home while two women went to the tomb on resurrection morning. Who had faith? Two two women go to the tomb to do something that they can't even reach. They're going to anoint the body of Jesus Christ and they can't get to it. And they know they can't get to it, but yet they're still walking to the tomb. Why? They have faith. They're even carrying on a conversation while they're en route to the tomb. Who's going to move the stone? They have no idea who's going to move it, how it's going to be moved, but they're still walking to the faith with all of their supplies because they're going to anoint the body of Jesus Christ. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. See, faith is a lifestyle that you live. It's not what we express here. Arnold, faith is how you live when you leave here. Faith is how you carry, carry yourself throughout your day. Faith, faith is a mindset by the, by, by the way in which you think. Faith is a way in which you look at life, good, bad, or indifferent. Because if you have strong faith, it doesn't matter what comes down your pike. The way you look at life through the eyes of God, through your faith, it, that determines how you respond to all of your negative news. And if I respond to my negative news negatively, or if I accept it, then that is a reflection of my faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. See, faith is active. Faith does when others say don't. Faith acts when others say settle. 
Faith gets up early on a Sunday morning to do something that you can't even reach. But you go there with your supplies anyway because you're going to get it done. See, the, the women went to the tomb with full intentions on anointing the dead body of Jesus Christ. But yet at the same time, they missed God. Now, this will make you scratch your head. They had faith in God. Their faith got them up, got their supplies, and got them en route to the tomb to reach a body that could not be reached, but yet they're still off because they're trying to anoint a body that will not be there. They believed, they had faith that somebody is going to roll that stone away. Who? I don't know. But they still had faith. That's why they got up and went to the tomb. Here, here's what, if, if, you'll, if, you, if you'll give me liberty here for just a minute. Scripture doesn't say this, but we, we, we know there, is a, there are lives that are lived aside from what is actually written in the Scriptures. I believe Mary and Mary ask one, if not all, 11 disciples to go with them to the tomb. They were the ones that followed closest with Jesus. Why wouldn't they? They need some big, strong men to move the stone. Why wouldn't they? You know what? When, I, when we moved down here and, and, and I was looking for help moving, you know, I expected big, strong men. When we packed in Pennsylvania, I, I, I went to men. I, I didn't go to women. Now, I, that's not because I was being sexist or, or racist. It's just when you think about moving big things, you typically think about men. And, and, and women will surprise you. Women here surprise me and women, women there surprise me. But it's because of that simple human logic that I believe, I believe they, they went to every, every one of the disciples probably looking for help and all 11 of them for one reason or another through whatever terminology turned them down because they're so destroyed by what happened to Jesus but yet in spite of all of that these women still get up still get the spices still get everything that they need and go to the tomb where they will not be able to reach the body of Jesus. Imagine the disappointment going through their head. We tried everything we could. We asked everybody that we knew. Nobody will come with us. The only men that we're going to come face to face with are the two Roman soldiers, and they're guarding it so that we cannot move the stone. And yet, as they talk to each other, they say to each other, I wonder who's going to move it. Doesn't it kind of sound like they already expect it to be gone? Doesn't it kind of sound like in their mind and, and in their plan for the day, the stone's gone? Because it, it's not a, I wonder if it'll be moved. It's I wonder who. Who's going to move it? And so they're, they're walking to the tomb expecting somebody to move it. See, faith is most visible in the darkest times. If everything's gone great in your life, 
Of course you're going to say you believe. Faith is most visible in the darkest times. And, and I've emphasized how the enemy was at work in the background as the disciples were, 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 were licking their wounds. But we need to understand the enemy isn't the only one that works in the background. See, God was at work in the background this whole time. God is at work in the unseen. Sunday morning, a couple of ladies get up early to do something by faith that they cannot reach physically. Yet before they get there, and, 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 and here, here's, here's the other thing, they're not even praying. They're not even praying to God. God moves the stone. They're just talking. I wonder who's going to move it. But they still go. And while, while they're going trying to figure it out, God caused a great earthquake. The stone was rolled back. A bright angel sat down on top of it and the appearance and all of this caused the guards to become like dead men. Now, I don't exactly know what that looked like. I don't know if they just stood there like that, if they fell over. I don't know. But I know what like a dead man is. See, the enemy of our soul tries to get us to faint with fear. But he tries to do that because the enemy knows all things are possible to them that believe. Jeff, he knows it better than some of us do. Because he's watched for thousands of years. He's watched people actually connect with God and connect with what God says and live it out. And he's watched the impossible happen over and over and over and over. He's watched him and all of hell throw everything they can at everybody they can and he's watched God overcome him whenever God wants. He's watched people that were down and out. He's watched them reach up by faith and he's watched the the reality of all things are possible come true, Myra, over and over. And every time it's happened, he's watched his grip release and he's watched things go out of his hand and he could do nothing to stop it. So he knows that all things are possible. So he wants us to shake with fear and he doesn't want us to grab onto that truth and understand that reality that all things are possible. So he's going to constantly attack your faith. He's going to constantly attack your faith. All hope seemed lost. Yet God was preparing the sign of victory in the very place where death was made as sure as it could be. Think about that for a minute. The place that the enemy did everything he could to stamp the exclamation point and the finality on the death of Jesus Christ in that very spot is where God brought the sign, he is not here, he is risen. The disciples' lack of faith kept them in self-pity and kept them in their dead end. Don't be offended when I ask this question. Where does your lack of faith keep you? We all go through tough times and depending upon what we're going through, it eats at us. It wears us down. 
and we become like that man whose son was demon-possessed and, and he brought him to the disciples when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples could do nothing and he brings the case to Jesus and, and, and he says, if you can do anything. And Jesus says, it's not about me. He said, if you can believe. And the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. In other words, it's been so long, I know I'm failing somewhere. So help the part of me that is not still believing. The question this morning was, does your faith move you into action? We all face dead ends. And our challenge is, don't be discouraged by dead ends. Man, is that easy to say? It may be challenging. However, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you always have a reason to believe. Always. Don't lose hope because of what your physical senses tell you. Because they're going to lie to you constantly and try to deceive you. And we are called to believe beyond what we see. All things are possible to them that believe. Don't be discouraged by the enemy's active pursuit of your demise. If you don't know, let me tell you, he hates you. You got the chance to get back into heaven where he was kicked out of. He hates you. Revelations tells us he's coming after the seed of the child that's you and I. He hates you. He's like a roaring lion, lion seeking whoever he may devour. So when things get bad, the enemy may be hard at work to make them worse. But you got to understand, Mike, I'm not supposed to be afraid. I'm not supposed to fear despite everything I see, despite everything I hear, despite everything that I feel with my physical senses, I'm not supposed to be afraid. God is already at work with my resurrection miracle right now. The women had no idea how they'd get to the body of Jesus, yet they had everything they needed to anoint it. They even discussed the very obvious obstacle in front of them, the stone. Mark 16 and 3, and they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? They saw it. They knew it was there. They weren't denying it ex its existence, but in their minds, they just needed to find the right person to move it for them. They had faith. In the meantime, while they're trying, now listen to this, while they're trying to figure out who's going to do it, the messenger of God is sitting on top of what they're trying to move. They're walking and trying to figure out, I don't have a stone, so work with me. How are we going to move this? While they're walking and talking about how they're going to move it, it was already moved and the messenger of God sat down on it. And he's just waiting for them to show up so they can see. That's the God that you serve, folks. The God, the God that has miracles in store for us if we can just step out by faith. And here's, for me, here's perhaps one of the most encouraging things out of this whole instance. They misunderstood God completely, but their faith still brought them through. They missed God. 
They missed his point. They missed what he said. He said Jesus would rise again. Jesus said it numerous times, and Jesus did exactly what he said he would do, but they missed him. They didn't go to the tomb to find an empty tomb and a resurrected Jesus. They went there to find a dead Jesus. They went there to anoint a body that they could not get to. They had faith to get to Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just got to have faith to get to Jesus. <laughs> Ain't that good. <laughs> you don't have to have all the answers. You don't even have to have, understand everything that is in the scripture. I'm not, I'm not saying don't try. You are to try. You are to study to show yourself approved, a workman and a God that needed not to be ashamed. But this example is letting us know when you get it wrong, as long as your faith is still leading you to Jesus, you're all right. Because God will be there. God will be there. He will bring the miracles that we need if we can just step out by faith. What are you worried about? Whatever you're worried about, God may have already moved it. He might already have an angel sitting on top of it with a message for you, but you're going to have to get there by faith. So I want to tell you this morning, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you this morning as we close, uh, Jocelyn comes to the piano. I just, I just want Jocelyn. I, I, don't, I don't need singers. Um, I want to tell you this morning what Jesus told Jairus. As Jairus was seeking Jesus out, my daughter is sick. She's lying almost to the point of death. And, 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 and you know, because Jesus don't listen to people. He didn't leave immediately. You know, and, and she ends up dying. While, while Jesus, after he gets done messing with that woman with the issue of blood and messing with, with, with some other uh, greedy, needy people, he eventually turns to go with Jairus and a messenger comes from Jairus' house and they, they say, leave, leave him alone, it's too late. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, what, I, 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 can't, I can't imagine what would happen to my countenance if I'm somewhere and somebody walks up and says, Jocelyn's dead. You, you can't prepare for that. He already knows she's close to it, but it's his little girl. It's his, his daughter. And while he's pursuing the solution, an a, a very real answer comes and says, it's too late. <clears throat> In Mark chapter 5 and verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, heard that message, leave him alone, it's too late. He saith to the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. I'm so, I'm so tired as a Christian having the enemy stand up in my face, Brother Arnold, and growl and roar and me do this. Sit down with my faith. Hold on to it as a security blanket so that I don't lose out. But I've backed down because he's intimidated me with his message. When the Bible's very clear that he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but the Bible's very clear about a few other things. Jesus 
said that I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you even to the ends of the world. The, the Bible said, if you, if you resist him, he will have to flee. If you draw an eye unto God, he will draw an eye unto you. Resist the devil and he will flee. The Bible tells us that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And, and I'm tired. I'm tired of having the enemy stand up in my face and growl and snarl in my face. And Brother Jeff, me give him the honor of backing down. When the word of God tells me to bring every thought and every high thing down, to pull it down and bring it into the captivity of Jesus Christ. Again, I'm not preaching and name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, do whatever you want kind of thing. But I am preaching that as a child of God, we need to be able to step out by faith and put some, work, put some action to what we claim to believe. I, I, I am stating that there needs to be actions that follow our faith. If the disciples had said to that man on the way to, to, to the house of God, I believe you can be healed, and then walked on, there would have been no change in his life. But after they declared the healing power of God upon his life, they reached out a hand and said, rise up and walk, and they put action to their faith. Too many times, the action that we put to our faith is saying we don't believe. We get in God's house, we get with God's people, we pray, we confess it, we believe it, and then Sunday morning we're faced with it. And then we start thinking negative again. And then we start thinking, uh, uh, I know God can, but I just don't see how it's gonna happen. See, that, that's a different statement than I wonder who's gonna roll the stone away. I wonder who is going to roll it away is different from I don't, I don't, see, I don't see how it can happen. See, I, I don't see how it can happen puts a stamp on it of it's not going to happen. But then we cover it with, yeah, with God all things are possible. But you're living, I don't believe it. You've gone through an affliction so long, you accept it. You deal with it. We confess, we, we believe God can do it, but we live in a way that says I don't expect it. See, when I reach out my hand, Arnold, and I say, get up, I have an expectation. P Peter, Peter, uh, J James and John, when they, when they reached out in their hand, they had an expectation. When, when my hand connects with your hand, you're going to get up and walk. Not because I'm that strong, but because of what I've just done. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Are you tired of having a lion scream in your face? Are you tired of having a lion roar at you and intimidate you? Are you tired of him pronouncing what's going to happen in your life and in your situations? If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to come forward and just stand, stand here at the altar. And we're going to pray together. We're going to agree together that, Father, we're tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of accepting things that I should not accept. I'm tired of settling for things that I should not settle for. But I want to I want to step out by faith and acknowledge that, that, that this faith that I have is in a real God. 
that is a real God and in his son Jesus Christ who is a risen Savior and so as you come forward I just want you to stand before God just pray lift your hands if you want to whatever it is that has been screaming in your face and in your eyes I want you to bring it before God right now and tell him God no more no more will I allow this to scream in my face no more will I allow this to declare whether or not I I will be healed or whether or not it will be changed hallelujah Jesus but father right now we step out by faith God and we exercise our God-given rights hallelujah father Lord that unless you tell us your grace is sufficient father Lord we believe you above all of the roars we believe you above all of the growls father we believe you and what your your finished work of Jesus Christ accomplished on that cross right now father hallelujah Jesus for each and every one that is here this morning right now father God you know why they're here you know what they brought before you God I pray that you encourage their heart hallelujah encourage their heart right now father God Encourage them in your word, Father God. Encourage them in the truth of what you have said, what you have confessed in your word, Father. Hallelujah, what you have declared to be true. Hallelujah, Lord, that they would pull down every high thing and every stronghold that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Lord, that they would bring every thought into the captivity of obedience to Jesus Christ, Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, that we'd be able to look the lion square in the eyes and not back down and not be afraid father hallelujah but by faith by faith that we'd be able to see the victory hallelujah by faith we'd be able to live the victory God even if we've got to wait for it father even if there's going to be a passage of time father we would not be worn down by the growling of that lion but in the name of Jesus Christ hallelujah hallelujah just like David said is there not a cause is there not a reason to stand up isn't there not a reason to fight is there not a reason to believe hallelujah jesus hallelujah jesus father we thank you for your word god we thank you for your word hallelujah god we thank you for the truth of your word jesus we thank you father for the truth of your word god let it sink into the depths of who we are hallelujah Jesus let it change who we are hallelujah God let us live what it says father hallelujah God let us live the raw truth of what your word says believing you for the impossible oh hallelujah Jesus God I pray encouragement upon your people right now God I pray encouragement upon all of us father God Hallelujah, God, that the next time that, that, that lion tries to roar in our face, God, we look, look, we look square back at it and we confess your word. We confess your truth. God, we don't back down. We don't settle. We don't go in reverse. We don't even sit down. We don't hesitate. But, Father, we confess what your word tells us. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are more than overcomers to them that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus. 
We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Shake hands with somebody around you. Hug them, whatever. Tell them, don't back down. 